as you know, in this time period, we answer questions. If you have a question, you can write it down and hand it to me or put it in the offering box, and we try to answer questions that people have. We always want to have some forum where we can answer questions, and you don't really understand uh, what this is about unless you make sure you can do that. And so what, we had a couple questions come in about uh, salvation and how it is, and so what I've done is to put together a little series on the nature of salvation, what it is, and this is our third lesson, and this might finish it if I get that far. Um, so we, we started with what Jesus said, and Jesus is, of course, the expert, and he's the one that said you had to be born again. We went to Paul, who was also an expert, and he said, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. And we talked about those two concepts that Jesus discussed and Paul discussed as he tried to describe what salvation is and uh, how it came to be born in the heart of God and offered to man. And one of the questions that comes up quite a bit is what I want to consider today as it's part of our thinking about what it means to be saved, what it means to be regenerated, born again, all those words that we use to cover the same topic. <clears throat> and people will say, well, how do you know you're saved? Are you sure? Can you be sure that you are saved? Is there a way that you can know for sure that you are saved. And that comes because some people say, well, you know, I said a prayer and asked Jesus to be in my heart. I didn't feel anything. Wasn't any feeling, didn't have any experience. It just was nothing. So how do I know? And some people do have sensations. Uh, I told you about the guy who said he felt electricity running through his body. I told you uh, about the guy that was dying, and I went in and talked to him, and he uh, finished his prayer, and the next guy walked in the room and said, I'm going to heaven. No problem with him. He had it figured out, okay? Uh, so some people seem to grasp right away, and other people say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm saved or not. I don't know if all those things happened to me. How do I know those things happened to me? And it's a difference in personality. It's kind of like what we talked about the wind. Remember Jesus said the wind comes and you can't tell how it functions, how it moves. And that's the way the spirit moves in salvation. And that's true. Uh, everybody's different. Everybody has a different experience. And you can't say, here's everybody's experience. I'm going to define it. Good luck with that. You know, you can't draw a line and tell God, walk down my line. I drew that line and can't tell God that. Can't build a box and say, here's a box. God, stay in the box. He won't. All right. He's going to do what he wants to do. And when it comes to salvation, it's that way. So how do we answer the question? Well, how do I know I really am saved? Are you sure? How can I be sure? First John chapter, first John chapter one. And first John is the one just for revelation <clears throat> in the back of your Bible. First John chapter one. And this of course comes from the Apostle John. 
who also was very close to Jesus and understood more than most people. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, here it is. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so He says, here's what you do. You confess your sin. Confess, that is you say to God, here's what I did. I'm sorry I did it. I'm telling you I did it. And the best thing to do that is right away. As soon as you do it, Get it fixed. (laughs) Don't sit on it. Don't say, well, I'll confess that maybe next week when I feel like it. No, you do it wrong, then you say right now, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that. I know better than to do that. Confess your sins. He says, if you confess, then he will forgive. He will forgive. Well, how do I know it? Because he said, I will if you do. What do you call that? You call it faith. And that's where it comes. He asks you to believe. He says, you ask me to forgive. All right. Say it. He asked me to forgive you. He says, then you can assume, you can count on it. I will forgive. If we confess he is faithful... That is, he does it every time, and he is just. He has the right to forgive us our sins. How did he get the right to forgive us our sins? Died on a cross. I gave him all the right to forgive sins. So this is a great passage because there's always a little more. And I talked about this last week. Uh, God says, here's salvation. I want you to be saved. I want you to be forgiven and come to me. And uh, I want you to have new life inside. And then I'm going to give you something extra, the Holy Spirit. And that's what God does. He doesn't leave you and say, okay, you're saved. I'm watching you to see if you mess it up. And we'd all mess up, right? He said, no, I'm going to give you extra help. And so if you, if you believe and you trust, I'm going to put the Holy Spirit inside of you. And he's going, that's extra, all those good extra things. Here's something extra. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. It would be salvation. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's my problem. Probably all of our problem. Is that if I have to confess all my sins, I'm bound to forget some. Or I'm bound to hardly even know I did him. All right? Something in my nature that does things wrong. All right? And I don't even hardly know it. And so you get up to heaven and say, I didn't even know I was doing that. So you didn't forgive that one? No. He said, I forgave them all. I forgave them all. I, I forgave everything you asked for. And then I went beyond that. And I cleansed you from everything that you did, and everything that you were. And so if it was just up to us to confess every sin, man, you better be keeping a record. <laughs> you better be watching, man, I don't want to get to heaven, and I find I missed a few. He says, if you come with an honest heart, say, I'm sorry I did this, he says, I'll take care of all the little things that were wrong in your nature, that were wrong in your attitude, and I'll make all those things disappear. 
And so he goes beyond. And we always find that when we come to salvation. He goes beyond. He goes beyond. Uh, he says, I'll take you to heaven. Well, that's great. Oh, it's a lot more than great. All right. I prepare a place for you there, especially for you with your name. I'll give you a crown of faithfulness when you get there. It goes on and on and on. And so it's always more than we first think. I'm going to get saved and make sure I go to heaven. Oh, you're going to get a lot more than that. And you're going to get it down here on earth, the Holy Spirit to help you. And then to forgive us more than just that. All right. So we look over, how does it go? Ephesians chapter 2. <coughs> Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Ephesians chapter 2. To answer this question about uh, how do we know, how do we know that we're saved? He says, well, he promised to forgive us. You have to believe that, right? And here he'll show us a little bit more. Uh, Ephesians 2, verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. For by grace you are saved through faith. So he said, in your salvation, there's two things that happen. God's grace is on this side. And then on your side, it was our faith that had to play a role. And they're going to come together. God's grace is way more than our faith. But God's grace, he says, is what? You do something, God does something for you that you don't deserve. That's kind of how we define that word grace in this spot. So God's grace, he says, which is exceeding, exceeding riches of his grace, <clears throat> you're saved by that. Or God decided to do something for you that you don't deserve. He's going to come down and forgive you and set things right and make it right. And he says, so God's grace comes and says, here, here's salvation. You are expected to believe it. Your role is to have faith. They say, okay, God, I believe you brought me this gift. I believe it in my heart, and that's what counts. And so you have, uh, your role is faith. So when somebody says, well, I don't really know if I'm saved. Well, then you've got to get that faith going, see? That faith isn't responding yet. We've got to build it up and get it going like it should. Now, we get some instructions on how, and over in the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews chapter 11, the great chapter of faith in verse 6. Here we go on what faith you need to have precisely defined. All right, Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So it's telling us you've got to have faith. Well, what's the faith supposed to do? Well, you've got to believe that God is, or that he exists. God exists. 
You can't say, well, I don't really know if there's a God. I'm not sure he's up there. In case he's up there, I'll throw a prayer up. <laughs> you got to say, he's there. I know he's there. He's real. I know God is real. All right, I know he's real. So you must believe that he is, that he exists. And then the second thing you got to believe is that he rewards people who search. He rewards people who search. There are people who won't search. They won't even lift a finger to find out anything about God. And those people are a long ways from coming to God because they won't try. He says God rewards people who search. And so if there's a hunger in our heart, we say, I'm going to search for God. I'm going to find God somehow. Then, okay, you're on the right track. And so, what does your faith require? It requires, number one, that you believe that God is real and that there's no question in your mind that that's true. And number two, you believe it's worth finding him. You can search for him and find him and, and do that. That's your part. So, question comes, how do I know I'm saved? Because you believe God is real and then you believe he will reward you for what you believe, and you believe that he's come to forgive us. Now, say, well, that's okay for you. You were raised in a home where you learned it from that big, and that was true, I did. I learned it from that big, and I learned it my whole life, and, and I was taught, and you better learn it. <laughs> it wasn't, do you want to do this today? No, no, no. This is, this is what you're going to do today. You're going to learn about God. And that was good. There was nothing wrong with that. But we all say, well, I could use a little more faith. I'd feel better if I had more faith. So here's the way it, you get it. All right? Here's the way you get it. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. <clears throat> now, John's the one who told us what? If we confess our sins, he will forgive. That's the guarantee of the forgiveness of God, which makes you saved. All right? You have to have faith. He said, God's grace, he gives you something. Your faith takes it, claims it, says it's mine. <coughs> what do you have to believe? <coughs> God exists and that he rewards people who do that. Now, here's the key, all right? If you want to learn how to have more faith, how to make it easier to believe, here it is. All right, we're in John chapter 20, the last two verses, 30 and 31. Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. There it is. All right, he says, you believe Jesus is the Son of God, came to earth, and as you believe that, then you get life, you get saved, you get salvation through his name. And so he says, if you want to know how to make it easier to believe, you read the things that I wrote in this gospel. They're written so you can believe easier. And so we have a way to overcome the problem of 
I don't really know if I'm saved. Well, do you believe it? Do you believe that God is real? Do you believe that God rewards? Do you believe you have a part in it, which is your faith to believe in it? And if you're having trouble believing, have you done the exercises the Bible says? Read about Jesus. It's the most convincing part of faith. You read about him. I tell the kids when I'm talking to them, read the red letters. You got red letter edition, read the red letters, read them all and and learn all about Jesus you can. Makes it much easier to believe, all right? And so that part of salvation where people say, I don't know I'm really saved. Get with it, do the work that's required, build the faith, and you will believe. You'll come to have a complete confidence that you are saved. Now, along with that question, there was a question that came to me about baptism. And I'm going to talk about that uh, just for the next few minutes uh, because we want to make sure that we set the record straight here. I'm in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We have a definition here of baptism. And it mentions baptism in the Bible in various places, but it doesn't define it like it does here. So here we have baptism defined. Now, question comes, what's salvation we have described? Being born again, being a new creature, having faith to believe that God has forgiven us and, and, and believing that for our own selves. <clears throat> now we come to the idea of baptism. And Romans 6, verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death, therefore were buried with him by baptism into death, and like as Christ has raised us from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we also walk in newness of life. If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. And so... um, Here he defines baptism. And he says, you were baptized into his death. You're baptized into his death. Now, uh, Jesus died on a cross, okay? And then they took him a little ways away and they buried him in a tomb. So Jesus dies on the cross and he's put in the ground He's buried in a tomb. And he says, three days later, of course, right, he comes out from the tomb in resurrection. So, he says, you're baptized into his death. So, when we go and get submersed under the water, it's like us being buried. He's under the ground, and we're under the water. Okay? So it's a symbol. They're going to put you under the water like Jesus was buried in the grave. And we're not going to leave you there. Right? A lot of people have asked, how long am I going to be down? <laughs> not long. We're going to get you right back up. You'll be okay. Right? So we go under the water and then we bring them back up out of the water. So under the water, dead, like Jesus, underground, under the water, dead. Come out of the water, resurrected, life. New life. 
and Jesus resurrected with new life. So baptism is a symbol, he says, of your life, and you're going to bury the old one. I got the old one where I didn't believe in God, where I didn't want to do what God asked me to do, and I bury it under water. I'm going to leave it there. I don't want it anymore. And I'm going to raise up out of the water with the new life like Jesus came out of the tomb. And so the symbolism of baptism is that I go down in the water and I make a statement. Say, from now on, I'm going to live my life for Jesus. So we go under the water, come back up, symbol, old life is buried, new life, come up, and we're going to live for Jesus from now on. And that's what baptism is. What does it have to do with salvation? Well, <clears throat> I could do it a lot of ways, but this is the way I like to do it. There's zero. All right? Well, it's zero. Nothing, right? Well, there's a line there, so what I'm going to do is get rid of the line. All right? So that's what baptism does for salvation. Absolutely nothing. Got it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely nothing. Baptism will not save you. It is meant to be an outward statement where I tell the people around me, people that are there, I've been living my own way. I want to be baptized. I want to live a new way. I'm going to live for Jesus. That's all it is. All right? It has nothing to do with you being saved. It's nothing to you with being washed. People think, well, I get washed. My sins get washed so when I get baptized. No, they don't. If you didn't get rid of them before that, that won't help you. I had an uncle of mine. He said to me, I've been baptized. And I said, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, all you did was get wet. <laughs> it doesn't help you a bit. Right? That's not what baptism is for. So make sure you understand that that's not what baptism is for. We define baptism in the way that we do things. It's an ordinance. It's an ordinance of the church. And if you look up ordinance in a dictionary, it says it's a statute, a regulation, a law. All right? And so God, Jesus actually himself, that there's two things I want you to do when you believe in me. All right. First, of course, I want you to believe. That's first and covers everything else. The two ordinances or two rules that I gave you to follow was number one, get baptized. We want you to be baptized because we want you to make a public statement that you're going to live for God. And leave the old life behind. So that's one ordinance, one rule that Jesus gave us. And the second rule he gave us is take communion. Go to the Lord's table and take communion. So those are the two rules. Now over the years the church has made hundreds of rules. Hundreds of rules. All right, Million, Maybe millions of rules. I have a book at home. It's about that. Well it's thicker than a hymn book. And it's the rules of this church, not our church. It's the rules of this particular denomination. It's a big, thick book. Somebody gave it to me and said, I suppose you're interested in this. I said, thank you. I haven't opened it, and I had no plans of opening it. I'm not interested in all everybody's rules. All right? Jesus said, here's two rules. 
get baptized. Make a public statement. Get up there and get baptized so that you people know where you're coming from. And the second rule is you get the communion and make sure you're there when there's communion served. Those are the two rules. And it's not that communion is going to save you either. And there's a whole ton of people in this world who don't believe. They think they get saved by going to communion. And I mean, I heard st stories from a guy, he's a Catholic, and he said, we, uh, they all go to church, and as soon as they serve communion, they sneak out the back door, because they're all set. They don't need to do anything anymore. They sneak out the back door and leave. Because they got their communion, they're all set with God. No, they're not. That's not ever what it was intended. What's intended for, for you to think about the death of Jesus and what it cost him in order to save your soul. That's what it's made for. And it's something we need to do regularly. So he says, whenever you eat this bread or drink this cup, you think about me. That's what I want you to do. Because he knew that we were forgetful. He knew we were forgetful. So he wants to remind you to think about him and then make sure you're baptized, he said. And those are the two rules that I've given you. They have nothing to do with being saved. You can take communion until it pours out of your ear and it is not going to save you. It's not what it was intended. So it's a personal thing between you and God. In your heart, you come to God, search him out, believe in him, and he forgives our sins, and that's what it is. The other things are ordinances or rules that Jesus got, gave, and it was particular Jesus' intention to do that because uh, he lived in a society where there was more rules than you ever heard of. In his society, I mean, it was something like 700 or 800 rules that they had to follow. Uh, if you were a Pharisee in particular, you followed these rules. If you had 700 rules to follow, how'd you, how do you think you'd do with that? Well, people just gave up. People just said, I can't do it. I can't keep all these rules. And uh, some of the Pharisees said, well... We're going to give it our best. And they tried. And of course, the one who tried the hardest was Apostle Paul. Yeah, Apostle Paul said, I kept the rules, but it didn't help me. It didn't help me. All right. So uh, it's possible that you can be baptized. And, and I want to say this because this is important. I don't want to get people too confused. I tell you, baptism, baptism won't save you, but it's possible for you to come to that moment and accept Jesus at the same moment. All right? That's possibility, and I have seen it. People who want to be baptized, and that's the day they begin. It's the day they start. And I love it that way. I'm more than happy to do that that way. And uh, some, I asked somebody once, do you believe? And said, well, I'm starting today. Good enough for me. Good enough for me. All right. And so uh, it's possible you could say, I'm going to believe in Jesus and I'm going to make it, I'm going to get baptized too. Good. Let's, you're, you're in. Let's go. We're good. 
All right? So that's a possibility. So if somebody says, well, I was saved when I got baptized, two different events happened the same day. All right? He got saved and then had baptism, obeyed the law, and we're good. We're good. We come real good. And so we try to answer questions about salvation so you get a concept of what it is, what it is not, and the difficulty of defining it because God himself is the one who sets out to touch various people in different ways that we can't always make a definition and say this has all got to be like this. It's not going to happen. All right, God's going to do it his way. All right, thank you. Thank you.